Hey everyone, and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm your host, Sharon Harding, and today we're checking out a liquid-cooled RTX 3080 Ti and the MSI Pulse GL66 gaming laptop. So thank you to everyone who's tuned in live. As always, we are taking questions from the audience. So if you have anything you'd like to ask, just drop that question into the chat on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're watching this, and we'll try to discuss it live on air. So today we have our laptop lady slash Tom's Hardware staff writer, Michelle Earhart. How are you today, Michelle? I'm good, Sharon. How are you? Doing good. And we also have Tom's Hardware Senior GPU Editor Jared Walton here. What's going on, Jared? Uh, just kicking it down in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> like a good basement dweller. I love it. <laughs> so, Jared, we, well, Michelle and I, of course, know, but some of our viewers will know you're always hard at work putting the latest graphics cards to the test. And you already came here before to discuss the RTX 3080 Ti Founders Edition, which is extreme on its own, but you have a new card here from ASUS, the ROG Strix LC GeForce RTX 3080 Ti. Not only a mouthful of a name, but it's a liquid cool graphics card geared toward extreme users. Um, so let's check it out, Jared. Can you give us a look at the card? Yeah, I'm gonna, you're on my iPhone camera audience, so you'll see me scoot over to the side here, but uh, this is a card set up on my test bed. And uh, this is this is my power testing rig. So that's why it's an open case. You see all the wires running around. You've also got the uh, SPL meter to measure noise levels. And right now um, the system is dead silent because the fans aren't moving. But uh, you can see the, the glowing lights. Uh, Asus really goes over the top with their lighting on the ROG Strix LC. You know, you got color controlled lighting. You can tune it as you like. This is just the default uh, color cycling method, uh, mode. And like if I, so, you know, here's the PC, but if I fire up a game, we'll just quick start up something and you'll see, um, actually I'll just run Furmark cause that's super fast to get going. And what you'll see here is, you know, give it a second and the fans should start going. And actually, like most graphics cards, when you start Furmark, it's immediate that the fans kick on. But because this has such a beefy cooler, I mean, it's a 240 millimeter liquid cooling setup. So it still takes it a moment to reach the point where it's like, yeah, I guess we better turn on the fans. And there's, you know, there's a second, there's the hybrid cooling. So it's got a fan on the card itself. But uh, yeah, it's, I've been doing some testing with it. I'm not completely finished with the testing yet, but it's uh, so far, it looks like it does the job in terms of cooling. I mean, everything I threw at it, you know, one of the, one of the big problems with these faster NVIDIA RTX 30 series cards, the ones with GDDR6X, is that the memory gets hot, um, especially if you happen to do like cryptocurrency mining, but even, extended gaming sessions could get the memory up to 104, 106, even 110 C on some models. And the Founders Edition 1080 Ti, uh, sorry, 1080 Ti, uh, yeah, 3080 Ti, the Founders Edition, that was a problem that I noted in our review. I was like, man, it, it doesn't take much to get the GPU memory hot. And uh, the Strix LC here, everything I threw at it, the highest memory temperature I saw was 96 degrees Celsius, which is like 
a solid like five or five to ten C lower than the founders edition. So that's pretty good. Um, go ahead and turn off my shaky camera if that's all right. <laughs> give some people settle their yeah. stomachs. We don't want to give any. Sorry, I, I'll, I'll try and get a, a stand for it next time. But uh, I, was, I was rushing. But yeah, I'm still running benchmarks on it. The review should be up in the next week or so. And uh, if you can find one in stock. And you have, I I don't even know what the MSRP on this is. It's probably like $1,800 to $2,000 because this is like the kitchen sink model. It's, you know, all the bells and whistles, all the overclocks, liquid cooling, you know, they threw everything in there. And Asus is already kind of a premium brand. Even their cheap graphics cards are expensive. So uh, the ROG Strix LC stuff is their top of the line. That costs a lot. But uh, if if you want a liquid cooled system and you have room for another radiator, you know it looks like it's a it's a pretty potent card. So you you said it is overclocked compared to the Founders Edition. Yeah, it comes with. I don't think it's a massive overclock. Like I'm sure you could push the overclock a little bit more on your own. Um, and Asus does this thing where it's like uh, you have a switch on the top of the card that says. I think it's Q mode and P mode for quiet mode and performance mode. Um, and then, so the performance mode is factory overclocked. The Q mode might actually still be overclocked relative to the founder's edition, but it's not overclocked as much. And then if you install the ASUS uh, GPU Tweak 3 software, then you can enable a another overclocking um, profile in that software that gives you even more of a boost compared to the P mode defaults. So it's kind of, I don't, I don't like having to install extra software just to get something that's promised on the box, but that's, that's what Asus and some of the other companies do these days. So if you have any questions on the card, definitely drop them into the chat um, and we'll try to get Jared to take care of those. But um, in the meantime, Michelle, what do you think about this card's design? That was, normally we have Jared, as we were talking earlier, you know, kind of just have the card in his hand. So it's awesome to see it kind of in action, obviously, and all the lights ablaze. Yeah, you got to see the glowing <laughs> lights to make, uh, it sells this card, right? Yeah. It's really boring it, it's just to have the turned stylish. off stylish. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure, like, you know, stock on 30 series GPUs is high enough that I can really be picky about which <laughs> model to get. But like, if you have a transparent case, this is this, and you can afford it. Obviously, this is a premium uh, version. Uh, this thing looks so cool. What do you? How I know? How, how do you think the style compares to other like RTX 30 series GPUs you've looked at, Jared? I it, it's a really well made and stylish card. You know, it's it's got a lot of extra bling and flair on it. So, you know, lines on it, it's got kind of a mirrored reflective surfaces, premium metal finish, you know, it's kind of, you know, they pulled out all the bells uh, bells and whistles, all the stops and and it's a great looking card if you're into RGB lighting, which, you know, we, we know the modding scene is. It is, you know, because it's a, a an all-in-one cooling setup, you know, you, you don't get to choose your own um, cooler and such, but, uh, I think that's that's okay for a lot of people and you, the the main requirement if you're like me and you have a liquid cooler on your CPU 
then you also need some place to mount your GPU liquid cooler. And that can, you know, that precludes using a lot of the smaller mainstream cases. You basically end up, you got to get something with a pretty big case. But that's the one thing. It looks pretty, con I don't know if you can like show us again. I don't want to make you go through that again, but it looks like pretty large. I can't, couldn't quite tell yeah. from like the configuration you had it set it up what like what the dimensions were uh it is so let me see here i got the the card back on if you want to flip over oh hello yeah <laughs> so this is a two and a half slot card with it's i mean it's basically a triple slot cooler um you know if i come around to this side yeah it's gonna be hard because it's way back against the wall the the slots cover two expansion or the, the IO port covers two expansion slots. Sorry, I should bring my mic over. Um, but but the uh, card is actually like two and a half slots wide and you wouldn't want to stick anything right next to it anyway. That would be kind of bad. And then, you know, the, the Those cooler fans is come with it? Yes, this is, so, so this is my CPU cooler back here. But this is the cooler that comes with it, and because it's on my open test bench, I just, I don't take the time to like find a place to mount the cooler. Um, I swap GPUs so often that that just becomes a pain in the rear. But yeah, all of that all of that is included, and it's a it's a beefy card. I want to say it, it probably with everything, the cooler as well as the card itself, it probably weighs like close to two kilograms, um, maybe more. It's pretty chunky and, and it's hard to photograph these things too because you're like, well, I've got this permanently attached cooler. How do I, how do I fit all of that in a nice picture? But uh, this is a good shot of, of what it looks like if, when it's all lit up. So I do appreciate the bling. <laughs> Seeing it next to your regular cooler there though, um, if you have a, I know you mentioned like if you have a liquid cooled CPU fitting the GPU cooling into your case alongside this is going to be, uh, I assume going to make cable management at least a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, that's why I say you basically want a monster case. I mean, I don't think you need like the full size tower, but you definitely would not want to try and get by with a, a I mean, even if you had a micro ATX case that could accommodate the uh, 240 millimeter radiator, like the the tubes going to the radiator are close to two feet long i'd say they're at least you know a half a meter and even though they're flexible it's like that's going to take up some space as well so if you have dual liquid cooling setups for your cpu and your gpu you're going to have a lot of tubes kind of snaking around inside the case that you'll you'll want the room to just you know not have to fight with it too much is my opinion Aside from the like looks and the the gamer cred, do you think there's like a significant benefit to the the liquid cooling to offset the um the sort of space and the cost that it takes up? Uh, you know they they do run cool. You know that's they usually run at lower temperatures with lower fan speeds, and so those are those are nice benefits. Uh, they're not required necessarily. It's kind of like it. Um, almost every GPU manufacturer now has like their monster card. So, you know, you got the triple slot coolers that weigh one and a half kilograms and have three large fans on them. And they're hard to fit in a case anyway, 
And this just kind of, it's like, well, we'll make the card itself smaller and then put the cooling on a separate thing. And it, because you've got that extra space, they get a bigger radiator and bigger fans and it does cool better than your default air coolers. But there, it's a definite compromise. You you really kind of have to be committed to this idea of like, yeah, I'll go with the the full liquid cooling setup because I want to not worry about GPU temperatures. I mean, I've I've had GPUs that are you know several years old that have all-in-one liquid coolers, and even ones that are routinely running playing games or whatever. You know, after several years, it's like, yeah, they still cool better than your your clogged up dusty. Um, Air coolers. Oh uh, gosh, I have to open. I think up it's my... easier to blow out the the dust and the radiators on these things too. Like, you just get your blower vac and blast it out. What do you um? If you had to choose between liquid cooling a, a CPU and liquid cooling a GPU, uh, which one do you think uh, you'd go for? Uh personally, I want the CPU to be liquid cooled because. I'm the GPU reviewer, <laughs> so so I don't swap CPUs as much. And actually, uh, even if you do swap CPUs, liquid coolers on CPUs, like that that little water block with four screws, it's super easy to to pull those off and swap a CPU. Whereas you know if you're if you're dealing with a big air cooler tower on a CPU, like some of those, they're they're a pain in the rear to get off, and they're just big and bulky and and kind of, you know, the, when you've got a cooler that's this big hanging sideways off of your CPU, you kind of worry about how much flex and pressure that puts on the motherboard as well. Um, I don't know that I've had a motherboard fail because of it, but I, I do appreciate the the liquid, the all-in-one liquid cooling on the CPU side. The GPU side, it's if you're changing graphics cards like I do, it it's more of a pain than it is a benefit because you're like, oh, well, now I've got this extra thing that it doesn't just slot into the into the, into the motherboard. I need to deal with the cooler. For normal people who don't test GPUs, um, I mean, I, I don't know. It kind of depends on what CPU you're running. Like I could definitely see pairing a card like this with a Ryzen processor that doesn't require as much um, cooling as like the the 11900k is you know the the latest Intel i9 chips can use 250 watts peak power draw uh, compared to like 145 I think on the Ryzen chips maybe a little bit more but you know it's not that hard to to cool 150 watt CPU compared to uh actually I did the power testing on this <laughs> Asus card and it uh I think it was hovering right around 375, 385 watts. That's a lot of power to cool. You know, you, you don't want to skimp on your power supply for using a card like this. So uh, I don't know that I, I gave an answer there, but personally, I go with air-cooled graphics cards uh, for my use, but I don't mind testing the liquid-cooled ones. And uh, I, I think for the people who know what they're getting into, they're, they're a great choice. Well, speaking of air cooling, um, we do have a comment from Gaming Zone Gazo, and I want to see, you know, what you think, if you agree with this, Jared. And I know you're still um, in the middle of your testing, so we'll consider that as well. Um, but the comment is, this thing beats the RTX 3090 air-cooled version, but the price is also high for its MSRP. So the price is high, I guess, you know, for the performance and features offered. Any thoughts there? Um, I guess it kind of depends on which 
3090 air-cooled you're talking about, like if you're looking at the Founders Editions 3090 versus 3080 Ti, in gaming performance, it's really a small delta. You know, it's the 3090 has a few more cores and it's and I think it's actually clocked a bit lower. So you kind of get that trade off, but then it has twice as much memory and the memory is clocked a little bit higher, um, which, you know, that's that's where the better cooling would have been nice on the founders editions to begin with. Uh, I've seen 3090 custom cards where the performance is maybe 5% better than the founders edition. And this is this is going to be at like that top end of the, five percent better than the founders edition for the 3080 ti so if you're comparing it to a custom cooled 3090 card i suspect it's not going to be faster but it's not going to be a lot slower either i mean the biggest difference between the 3090 and the 3080 ti that i've seen is if you're doing professional workloads that actually use 24 gigabytes of memory uh, maybe there's some games where you could get into there, like if you're running at 8K or something, but uh, 8K performance, even on a 3090, is still generally not where it should be or not where I'd want it to be to to call it playable. So uh, it, it, it's a it's a balancing act, but I, I think, like I still think the 3080 Ti is priced too high just because of what happened with the market where everything was sold out because the 3080 was a $700 card kind of i mean you haven't been able to buy it for under like twelve hundred dollars anywhere for the last year but uh so the 3090 was a fifteen hundred dollar card that was selling for over two thousand and they were going well in the 3080 is a seven hundred dollar card that our partners are taking you know twice that for their sales and so the 3080 ti nvidia goes well we'll make the baseline twelve hundred dollars we'll take the extra five hundred dollars and then you get an companies like Asus that put on premium cooling and charge $1,800 or $2,000 and you go, well, okay, they still got paid. Um, but in a normal market, this would have been $1,000, not for the Asus necessarily, but for the 3080 Ti. And, uh, and there it would have been like, well, 50% more for a 3090 um, would be really hard to justify. The, the 3090 is basically your Titan price GPU, right? But uh, yeah, I... It's so hard right now with all of the GPU prices being what they are. It's like, well, even the Newegg shuffle prices are horrible. So unless you can find one in stock at Micro Center or Best Buy, you're kind of SOL. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> that said, Jared, I know you're going to keep working hard testing this card that most people can't get yet. But <laughs> if you have more questions on the card, this is the Asus ROG Strix LC Liquid Cooled RTX 3080 Ti. Um, drop that question in and stay tuned to our site because Jared's full review will be there when he gets Next to week. it. Next week. There we go. That's <laughs> when a more... I get to it. Yes, it, when it's done. Like, it's the valve it's answer. More professional response. There you go. So, yeah, keep the questions coming. In the meantime, of course, not everyone needs the power of a liquid-cooled desktop RTX 3080 Ti. So for those with less powerful and maybe more portable desires, of course, there are leaner options. And we have Michelle here to give us a preview this week of what's in the lab. Yay. So Michelle, I know you're currently testing the MSI GL66 Pulse. What can you tell us about this gaming laptop? 
Sure. Uh, so this is kind of on the opposite end of what Jared was showing us. Um, it's by no means weak, but it's definitely uh, closer to the budget end. Uh, and you can tell from the looks, I feel like sort of cheaper gaming laptops always try to look more sci-fi for some reason. <laughs> this one's definitely got a lot of sci-fi theming to it. I especially like this lit. Oh, I I think this lid is interesting because it's got a little bit of a raised middle and then these like separate etches into each other. That's more detail that I'm used to seeing on these sort of things. Then you open it up and it's got this uh, RGB keyboard with a kind of Spider-Man font on it, uh, you know, from the old <laughs> Sam Raimi movies. And then my favorite bit of decoration on this laptop, again, I say favorite in a in a more of an interesting way. Um, is this sort of almost crosshair pattern that's on the touchpad. So you can kind of tell a little bit what this is aiming to be by looking at it. Um, was there a triangle in that touchpad as well? There was, yep. Like a delta symbol? Okay. That's just um, decorative? That's crosshair. That, that's like the, uh, what's that? The the uh, aliens versus predator, the predator Oh, crosshair? yeah, yeah. When they're Maybe. like, the little smart bomb is aiming in to like <laughs> launch out of the shoulder cannon. Uh, right. Unfortunately, this doesn't come, or maybe fortunately, this doesn't come with the shoulder cannon. Although there is a mascot for this uh, laptop on MSI's site that kind of looks like a predator. Um, anyway, the configuration that we got for this uh, came with an Intel Core i7 11800H uh, processor with an RTX 3060 GPU. Um, that GPU has a 1425 megahertz boost clock and an 85 watt TGP. Uh, you get 16 gigabytes of RAM with this. And it's a fairly standard screen. Um, it is IPS level. Uh, it's 15.6 inches. All of the configurations for this laptop have a 15.6 inch screen. Um, but it's only going to be uh, full HD, so 1080p at 144 hertz, which, I mean, is still what I was gaming with up until a couple months ago um, on my desktop setup. So it's definitely not going to leave you behind. Um, I've been, uh, you know, pushing, putting this up against other recent uh, laptops that we've looked at. In particular, we were curious how this very out and proud gamer laptop uh compared to MSI's more sort of professional looking Stealth 15M uh, laptop, which also has an i7 11th gen uh, with a 3060. And then we also wanted to compare this. This uh, costs $1,400 normally. Right now on Newegg, it's marked down to $1,200 with a $100 rebate. I believe that's because of Intel Gamer Days, but you never know with Newegg how long that might stick around. Um, but because of that price, we also compared it to the Acer Nitro 5, which has a Ryzen 7 5800H with an RTX 3060 for about $1,600, I think. Um, and then the ROG Strix G15 Advantage Edition, which is a full AMD laptop with a 5900HX and a 6800M um, for, I believe, 1550. Uh, compared to these three competitors, this laptop kind of fold on the lower end uh, in our gaming tests. Unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. A laptop can have strengths elsewhere, but we're still in the process of testing this one. But for example, 
in uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, the Stealth 15M, which again has the same specs as this, got 56 FPS. Uh, this laptop got 51 FPS. The Acer Nitro 5 got 57 FPS, which isn't a huge leap, but the uh, ROG Strix, the all AMD laptop, got uh, 70 FPS. And that laptop in particular, um, which isn't that much more expensive than this one, was far ahead of uh, this laptop for the majority of our tests. Um, in other games, like the... Uh, in other games like Grand Theft Auto 5, the Acer Nitro 5 also had a strong advantage over the Pulse. The Pulse got 83 FPS in that game's benchmark, whereas the Nitro 5 got 93 FPS. Um, significant advantage, maybe not necessarily as groundbreaking, but the Nitro 5 has other advantages like a 1440p screen, where again, this one gives you just kind of the bare minimum. This is the cheapest of the laptops that we compared it against for now, but again, we're not sure how long that's going to last. So is this, so it's the Pulse GL66. Is the Pulse a budget line that MSI has? Because I know they have like their Raider line, which is pricier and has like a lot more RGB. Is this like meant to be their budget line or something? You know, this is the first Pulse that I'm looking at, so I don't yeah. have a, a ton of uh, experience with it. Mm -hmm. um, but Is the Pulse a new brand, though? Like, I don't recall seeing Pulse yeah. laptops in the past. I have a feeling it might be the case. Again, I'm, I'm still doing research on this. Right. Um, but it definitely is sort of newer to me, and it's sort of priced and even uh, aesthetically decorated kind of look like a nitro, which is a right. sort of Acer's budget line. Yeah, when you said it was, I think, about seven frames per second behind the Acer Nitro, I'm like, oh, that's behind Acer Nitro is a budget freeze. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, So you have a 3060 in there. Um, You're still doing your testing. Curious, Jared, you're our general GPU expert. So we have 1080p, 144 hertz, uh, 3060. What do you think about you know, that configuration and maybe the possibility for, let's try like AAA games, uh, intense, graphically intensive games. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, but the 3060 laptop GPU actually has six gig of RAM. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So yeah, this laptop's so full specs would be uh, six gigabytes GDDR6 and again, 1425 megahertz boost clock with an 85 watt uh, TGP. Yeah, so I mean, the interesting thing is the the TGP actually makes a, a, a relatively large difference for laptops. So, like I think most of the current RTX 30 series laptop GPUs they can go as low as I want to say like maybe 60 watts, maybe it's 80 watts. I'm not sure, but it's it's lower. And then the high end can go as high as like 150 watts on like the 3080 and, you know, double the power. You don't get double the performance, but you do probably get 20 to 30% better performance. So there's, and, and it's a balancing act. You know, they used to call these max Q models where they said, Hey, we optimize for performance versus power. Nowadays, it's like they, they just leave it up to the laptop makers and they kind of hide the fact that a 3080 laptop or a 3060 laptop isn't universally the same. You know, your your GPU has about a 20% spread in terms of how fast it might be depending on how much power it's allocated. 
But the 3060, it's a capable card. I mean, six gigabytes, like we thought we, I thought anyway, that we'd see six gigabytes on the desktop models at some point as like a, a cheaper version. So like, you know, you had the 1060 back four or five years ago where you had a six gig model and a three gig model and everyone said, oh, try not to get the three gig model because even though it's fast enough now, it might not be fast enough in the future when games start using more memory. And that has absolutely happened. I mean, it took three or four years, but uh, today, if you have a three gigabyte 1060, there are a bunch of cards where uh, of games where you're restricted to like minimum quality settings because you don't have enough memory. Six gigabytes though, like that's still a fair amount. So I don't think it's as big of a deal. 1080p, I'm sure you'll get 60 frames per second on that laptop in most games at high to ultra quality. If you're playing esports stuff like Valorant or, you know, what whatever else is popular. I mean, CSGO, everything can run at 140 or higher frame rates. But, uh, you know, the popular esports stuff, I think there, there the 144 hertz display will be useful. But if you're playing like an Assassin's Creed or a Cyberpunk or one of these really demanding games, you'll be lucky to get 60 frames per second, never mind 144. Yeah, I was playing, uh, you know, the stats I mentioned earlier were from benchmarks, but to get a sort of personal feel for the machine, I was playing Control on it earlier today, uh, which is a fairly demanding game, and which I like to use for testing because it's really easy to manipulate or to manage its ray tracing. Um, and I couldn't get consistent 60 FPS performance on it on high settings, even with ray tracing off. Uh, I was normally above 60 FPS, but in moments of heavy action, it dropped all the way down to 50. I found myself between a 50 to 67 FPS range. Um, and when I turned ray tracing on, uh, it got it got to like a consistent 35-ish FPS with a, a much smaller range. Um, that's where you need that's where you need DLSS enabled, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the plus side to that is the fans weren't especially loud. Uh, they didn't blow hot air out onto my mouse hand, which I think can sometimes happen with a, you know, not necessarily the best thought out fan placement. Uh, this laptop has, I think, pr pretty decent fan placement. You've got one here, one here one there, but not necessarily anything blowing out into your mouse hand. Um, and it wasn't uh, super hot to the touch either. Uh, that said, if we go away from gaming for a bit, uh, another big concern with laptops is battery life. Um, and we didn't get the best battery life out of this so far. Uh, this had three hours and 14 minutes of battery life in our sort of in-house test, which uh, like continually streams video, browses the web, runs OpenGL tests over Wi-Fi uh, at 115 nits of brightness until a computer dies. Um, you know, we don't expect gaming laptops to have the highest battery, but the Acer Nitro 5 had five hours and nine minutes. Again, a, a significant advantage, but not as high as what you got from the uh, Asus uh, all-AMD laptop, the ROG Strix G15. Advantage Edition, very wordy, but that one got 10 hours and 14 minutes, which is way higher than we expect from a gaming laptop. But again, that's sort of within the price and budget range of this. 
So this is one of those interesting things where it's like when you hear stuff about Apple, you know, making their own chips and it's like if we could get windows on Apple hardware these days and properly tuned like maybe not the M1 but like M2 or M3 down the road would be a serious threat and it's one of AMD's advantages too that they make the GPU and the CPU and if they tune everything properly with the hardware and the software you know you can still get great performance but when you unplug you can still get great battery life and you know if you're running a game that uses 3d graphics your your battery life is going to be pretty bad no matter what you do unless you you know either run out of really low resolution or i don't know drop the quality really far but you know gpus that suck down the minimum that you'll see from a 3060 is like 60 watts right and even if you cut that to 30 watts it's, most of our batteries are like a 30 to 60 watt hour battery so it's like just the gpu could drain the battery in less than an hour if it's running at full performance so yep so this laptop has an <clears throat> 85 watt uh gpu uh with a 53 w hour battery uh so it's kind of expected that you're gonna get a a good amount of drain from that the unfortunate thing and again this isn't unique to this laptop in any way but it's kind of disappointing to me on gaming laptops that even in non-gaming tasks, they tend to have pretty poor battery life. Uh, it just makes it harder for them to moonlight in other tasks or, um, you know, take into the office. Uh, this one is decorated in a way that I'm not sure you necessarily want to take it into the office. But, you know, its sister, the Stealth 15M, which uh, has many of the same components of this, is decorated in that way. And uh, it's got a three-minute or three hour, 41 minute battery life, which is a minuscule improvement over this. Which actually yeah, brings me to a question. The... Sorry, a question that I had about the, yeah. what you're seeing, Michelle, in terms of, cause this is definitely like, it seems definitely on the budget side in terms of its looks, its design, its battery life. Are you seeing, you know, either in the lab or through announcements, 30, 60 laptops that are, you know, in a more premium offering, or is it more, only in these more budget, chunkier, lower battery life, lesser screen, perhaps, options? Uh, recently, I did review uh, a laptop with a Core i9 CPU and an RTX 3060 GPU. It felt like an extremely odd combination to me, um, and it's definitely not something I've seen elsewhere. Uh, I apologize, I can't remember off the top of my head which laptop that was. I look at a lot of these machines, but it's, it, for the most part, 3060 stuff, as hard as a, a 3060 is to find for your desktop and as premium as it sounds, um, it's definitely being incorporated in sort of more budget uh, laptops for right now, which is what I'd expect. You know, even if 3060 is impressive, you don't necessarily want to release a modern laptop with last gen hardware. So, you know, even the budget laptops are going to have Ampere at this point. And 3060 is like the lower end Ampere card, unless you go to 3050 Ti, uh, which is laptop specific. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure it's worth it uh, for the, the, for just how much more for the, uh, compared to the 3060. 
Sorry. Yeah, the thirty, the thirty fifty and thirty fifty Ti are pretty big step down in performance, just because a they're they're only four gigabyte cards, and then b it's like they're they're like two thirds as many shaders, maybe. Um, I guess it's it's twenty forty eight on the thirty fifty, twenty five sixty on the thirty fifty Ti, and then on the laptop thirty sixty, it's uh, thirty eight forty. So you know, it's it's a big advantage and their clock speeds and all that stuff end up kind of being similar for the most part depending on your power levels and such but yeah we've we definitely have seen a lot of games where i would not buy a graphics card that didn't have i mean six gigabytes is a maybe if you got it for a cheap enough price but these days i'd say eight gigabytes is the minimum i'd spend on any mid-range graphics card and so you know the 3050 3050 ti even though they're their budget, they're really kind of mainstream graphics cards for laptops, and I just don't think they're fast enough. They're they're really not that much better than a 1650 Super or 1650 Ti. Sorry, not 50, 1660 Ti. <clears throat> so I just uh, looked it up again. I'm sorry, I couldn't bring this up off the top of my head, but the Core i9 CPU slash 3060 GPU laptop I looked at was the mm -hmm. Asus ROG Zephyrus M16, uh, which I thought had pretty inconsistent performance, probably brought on by that uh, duo. And But the Zephyrus is sort of presented as more of a, a mid-budget line. And the configuration that we looked at um, when we reviewed it costs $1,849, which is significantly, I think, more expensive than this laptop, given that it costs uh, $1,200 right now with a $1,400 uh, release price. What's the storage on that? Uh, the like, laptop have... that I have right now? This yeah. is actually really interesting. It has a 512 gigabyte SSD, uh, which we see I see as kind of the baseline in a laptop I want to be reviewing. I usually would like it to have more storage. And this one does, but not necessarily in an SSD. It comes with a one terabyte hard drive alongside the SSD. As it's shocking to me how often we still see one terabyte hard drives on laptops. You know, it's I think they've just got these surplus of, you know, yeah. I, I was reviewing laptops a day. Uh, well, maybe not a decade, but five, five to eight years ago that still had one terabyte hard drives. And I'm like, shouldn't they be up, up to at least four terabytes now or shouldn't they stop using hard drives altogether? But <laughs> it's amazing how. Like there's bean counters that are checking off a box saying, "Hey, we get to say one terabyte of storage." Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's it, it ticks me off because you can buy a one terabyte, you know, SATA SSD for under a hundred dollars. Yeah, the it's, upcharge it, on SSDs <laughs> and laptops is one of the most huge. like stark and obvious um, issues for sure. And yeah, that's that's funny you bring it up. I mean, that's is that it's partially why probably that thing is so clunky. Mm -hmm. as well so and do they i don't know if they sell it also with just the 256 oh um so looking at the other just configurations the for this laptop um there is 256 gig ssds need to just go away <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like yeah they're all 512 gigabyte uh ssd okay. base uh, there's also configurations with just that ssd and configurations without the HDD, but your SSD bumps up to one terabyte. Oh, okay. So this technically has want. the most storage of all the configurations, right. but it's got 
less SSD storage than some configurations. It's quantity over quality. <laughs> and again, I haven't opened up this laptop yet. That's usually something we save for the very last step of our reviews. Um, but I did go into device manager and check out which uh, hard drive this has. And to my understanding, it's a 2.5 inch uh, Seagate Guardian Barracuda um, with 5,400 RPM. So, Michelle, when can um, our viewers check out this review on the site? Uh, when it's done. No. Um, <laughs> I feel like it. <laughs> it'll probably go up early next week um, cool. once I get, yeah. I have to uh, take all the nice fancy photos for of it and course. make up the nice charts, and there'll probably be an editing process. Of course, so. of course. So st stay tuned, everyone, to the site um, to see that full review. And you still have time to drop in any questions for Michelle if you have them. Um, I do see that we had a question from Jerome Clemente um, for Jared, which, Jared, I saw you answer in the chat, but maybe you can just briefly give your answer to, you know, the people who are watching this after the fact or on other platforms like our podcast. Um, so the question was, so is the 3080 Ti not worth the extra money compared to a 3080? And just to, you know, be clear, we are switching back to desktop cards now, not gaming laptops. Not laptops. There's no 3080 <laughs> Ti for laptops exactly. yet, uh, ever, actually. I don't, they don't normally do that high end on laptops. Um, and so what I, what I said in the comment there, and I'll say here is, basically, if you look at the MSRPs and you say, oh, well, the 3080 Ti is... $1,200 and it's like 10 to 15% faster than the $700 3080, that's absolutely not worth it. Uh, in my book anyway, it's it's like the old Titan cards where it's like, hey, you could get the, you know, the 980 Ti for $650, I think. And then the Titan card, the Titan X was, um, was $1,000. And it's like, well, it was only like 3% faster. And so if you were looking at the 3080 Ti and the 3090, it's kind of that same thing where it's like the 3090 is only three to 5% faster in most cases. Um, the problem is like MSRPs are are just garbage right now. It's it's smoke and mirrors, it's lies, it's whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I went to Best Buy when there was that 17,000 GPU drop uh, last week, I think. It might've been two weeks ago. Anyway, I went there and at my local Best Buy that had 120 cards, they had a, at least 200 people show up and many of them stayed overnight and everything was basically called or spoken for by 7.30 in the morning. Um, so that's how much demand there was. And those were going at NVIDIA's MSRP. So it's like, well, you know, hey, that's that's not terrible. From what I heard, a lot of those people standing in line were probably scalpers. <laughs> they were just going to go and sell it on eBay and make their $500 or whatever. What was it like seeing them in the wild? Yeah, they they looked like <laughs> evil people, horns. No. Uh, I mean, like, you, you can just, like, when you look at people, you're like, you're not a gamer at all, are you? It's like the ones who have, like, like a Doom t-shirt on, on or whatever. You're like, okay, I'm pretty sure that guy's buying this to play games. But when it's it's some businessman attire, you're like, are you really going to play games? I, I don't know. Like, or he you has never like know. an Ethereum T-shirt on, something. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm sure there were people who were going to mine with it. I'm sure there were people who were going to sell it. But the the bottom line is, 
manufacturers suggested pricing is largely not happening. Um, you know, you look on Amazon, you look on Newegg, you look on any online site and they're sold out at overpriced, you know, MSRPs even. So like the, the Strix that I've got here, I don't know what its actual MSRP is. If it's 1800, if it's $2,000, it's probably in that range. Someone posted a comment that said, yeah, I see it on Amazon for $3,200. <laughs> <laughs> which you know that's that's what three high-end graphics cards would normally cost but um looking at ebay prices you can find a 3080 for about 15 to 1600 dollars you can find the 3080 ti for about 1800 dollars um, maybe a bit less if you're willing to wait around and try for an auction or whatever if it's 250 dollars 200 dollars extra the 3080 ti might be worth it if it's $500 extra going from like $700 to $1,200, then I would probably stick with the 3080. Like that's that's been my best graphics card choice since it launched, in theory, that you could actually find one for $700 to $800. And you can't. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. You can't find any graphics cards at their MSRP unless you get lucky and have a micro center that actually has some in stock that morning. And those usually it's like they get a couple dozen cards a week from what I understand. And they all sell out within minutes or or at best, like maybe an hour if no one happens to go there. Yeah, which is why I'm so glad we have all the work Michelle and um, Andrew Friedman, who appears on the show as well, are doing in terms of testing the pre-builds. Because um, that's really one of the most economical way to get your hands on a current gen card right now. It's not you know, you obviously are building a PC and it's not desktop level performance, but it's accessible and you're paying standard pricing. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. Well, standard, for standard for pre-built though, right? So it's exactly, usually 25% yeah. higher than a DIY, but. And you might have a one market? terabyte hard drive. Yeah, yeah. especially for a laptop. <laughs> but, you know, pre-built desktops are just, you know, also prone to being bought and then people will strip out the card and sell the components or use them elsewhere. So. Not that I was trying to look at that the other day, trying to figure out like it because we actually had this discussion. We said, "Is there a, an opportunity to shuck the GPU? You know, buy a pre-built <laughs> system, pull out the 3080 or whatever, and then resell the rest of the system." And the what I looked at that didn't look viable. But maybe if you had a good contact at Dell or HP or a big OEM, you might be able to get better prices that would make it more of a of a viable thing but you know most of the most of the system vendors i looked at like cyber power and i buy power and what they were charging almost as much as like newegg and ebay for their graphics card markups so i was like yeah it's all, well now it's all now lost. there's that newegg uh thing where you can just you can buy a 3080 if you buy a whole desktop with it and have them make it and send it to you so just like get a 3080 and then a bunch of like cheap Raspberry Pi processors. And <laughs> Can you build it with a Raspberry Pi? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our next article. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everyone who's been watching. Um, while I have you, please also don't forget to like us on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitch, everywhere you see Tom's hardware. So you can stay caught up with all of our videos and shows and fun. And we also make this show available as a podcast. So thank you also to Jared and Michelle. That is our show. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye, everyone.